you got your uh, phone, take it out real quick. Get this um, handout information, the program. Uh, you can text that number it's in front of you, 1-800-0432, uh, area code 586. There's a lot of updates on there, uh, upcoming events that's happening this fall. So make sure you know what's going on. And uh, if you're watching us online, you can do the same thing to see what's happening. I also ask you to take a minute to fill out the connection card real easy to let us know that you're here, what hour you're at, which is the 11 o'clock hour, and in service here, or if you're watching, you can, you can let us know that you're watching online. And uh, thank you. If you're a first-time guest, just let us know about your um, you know, information by filling out the connection card. We want to connect with you, send you a free gift in the mail, as well as a free gift after the service. So after the service, I'll be in the back, uh, behind these doors. And so when you're dismissed, hope you find me, and, um, and uh, we have a free gift bag we'd like to give you. And I thank you for coming this morning here at the church. And uh, so um, we're going to wrap up our series today on reset, reset. And um, last Sunday, <laughs> during this hour, you know, we, we really had it going on, didn't we? If you were here last Sunday, we had... The, the, the lightning and the thunderstorm coming through. I'm talking about losing your power in the sermon, and uh, we almost did. <laughs> and uh, some of you lost power at home, and uh, I know a couple people did here. And, um, and so today, the beautiful day, so we're talking about reset. We're not going to lose the power, you know, hopefully. <laughs> and so, but thank you for uh, being here in the last couple of weeks or watching online the last couple of weeks. And we're talking about what it means to reset. We're talking about what it means for the church to reset. And we say that, we've been saying that reset is starting over when everything seems to fall apart. And resetting, we said, is that is something that God does best. God's in control. He knows what he's doing. And the good news is that it's always for your benefit, my benefit, and always, always, when we go through a time of reset, always for his glory. And the struggle is, the tension is that we always want to go back to what, what it used to be. And, and, and instead of going into the unknown, we don't like to go into the unknown. Nobody likes to walk into what's going to happen next week or next month. We like to know. And we like what it used to be. But reset. It's not about going back to the normal comfort of what we know, but reset is about where God is taking us, where God wants to go. And as followers of Jesus, we have to move in the direction that God is leading us instead of moving back to the place where we used to be. Reset. And how do we do it? We said that we reset with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power moves us into a new healthy rhythm of life. Now, we gave three points. I'm going to give those three points real quick, and then we're going to dive into the last point of this series. If you're taking notes, you'll see that it's almost the same handout for the last few weeks. But point number one, in order for God to reset, sometimes he commands us to wait. We've got to be patient. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to be patient. We want it. We want it now. That's why we have the microwave. Why wait 40 minutes when you can have it in 30 seconds? And so we like it now. And, and sometimes we're commanded to wait, whether we like it or not. Uh, and number two, the second point, a reset can sometimes be painful. 
I, I would still say this last four months has been difficult and challenging for a lot of us. It's painful, you know, and, and, and we don't like the changes in our lives sometimes. Changes are painful sometimes. Number three, no great movement begins without the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last Sunday. No great movement begins without the Holy Spirit. So in the time of reset, God is doing something. They got to get ready to, to make a move. And in the story that we've been looking at in Acts chapter 1, we're about to see God unleash the power to, to birth the church, the movement called the church. And he can use broken people, which were the disciples, uneducated people, that didn't go to seminary, didn't have a, a degree in Bible, but God was going to use them to start the church and this movement that is still alive 2,000 years later. And so no great movement begins without the Holy Spirit. If the disciples have tried to do this on their own, if they tried to say, hey, let's do this church thing without the Spirit of God, it wouldn't have survived their times. And so the Holy Spirit, it has to be a part of it. And we see that in Acts chapter 1. And then here's what we're going to dive into today at, uh, uh, as we look into Acts chapter 1 in just a minute. But the fourth point, and if you're taking notes, and it's on your handout, you can look at the handout, on, you know, it's on that program, or you can touch the, you know, see that number, it's the program. You can also say handout, and you can get the handout note. And the fourth point is God's plan is more expansive more expansive and greater than ours. God's plan is much greater than ours. Much, much greater than ours. And we see this in Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verse number 8 in, uh, in just a minute. Uh, we've already read a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but this is where Jesus is meeting with his disciples for the very last time. He's about to take off. Literally, he's about to go. He's about to fly. And... and and so he's giving them the last words. And, and the last words is, is you're going to go tell. You're going to go tell people. You're going to make disciples. You're going you're to tell the good news of, of my death, burial, and resurrection. And, and, then, and then you're going to tell people. You're going to make disciples, not just here in Jerusalem, but all over the world. And we see that in verse number 8. He said, you will receive power. Power. Remember the word power. Talked about this last week. The word power in the Greek, the Greek word is dunamis. We get the English word dynamite. So this word literally means explosive change, explosive power. He said you will receive explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in our Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a moment here if you were to put yourself in the disciples' sandals. You know, you're looking up. You're, you're seeing something you've never seen before. You've seen birds fly, but you've never seen a man fly. And you're watching Jesus fly up into the air. And you're just kind of, probably your mouth is wide open like, wow, I've never seen that before. And then you're just looking, and Jesus kind of 
disappears into the clouds and you got your eye kind of, you know, just kind of squinting, you know, looking up into the sun, trying to see him. And they said, where did he go? You're looking for him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you, you don't realize it, you're looking up, but there's two men, they're angels, they're just standing there, and, and, and it's like they were shoulder tapping and said, hey, guys, hello, and I'll be, I'll be, I don't know, I think I would kind of freak out a little bit. There's just too much all at once, all right? Man, flying, people just appearing, all right? And so we see this, and it's in verse 11, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking to the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go back into the same way you've seen him go into heaven. He's going to come back the way you see him go. And, and, and so here, we, here, they, here they are, they're looking. And it's like these guys, uh, these two angels, while they're looking up, they're just kind of, you know, maybe a little comic relief here, but they're like, yo, why are you still standing here? Yo, yo, guys, what are you doing? Come on, wake up. Why are you still standing here? And I want you to think about that question for just a minute. Why are you still standing here? I mean, Jesus had just hit the reset button. The life that they knew have changed. I mean, these disciples have had the best of life for three years. I mean, they witnessed miracles upon miracles upon miracles. In fact, the, you know, the, the uh, disciple John, at the end of John, he, he wrote, he said, man, if I was to write everything I saw, the, there's not enough books in the world to cover everything Jesus did. And a lot of people don't know this. But you know that John, the book of John, only covers 20 days of the life of Christ. Only 20 days. And here, here, these guys have seen so much, they couldn't put it all in words. They, they just gave us a sampling of what we see about Jesus. A real small sample. The rest of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we only see about 57 total days of the life of Christ. So we only get maybe a third of one year. You know, and, and, and Jesus was with them for three years. And, and so they've seen so much. They've been a part of his crowd. They've heard his teaching. Man, it was, it was something to be. It was awesome to be around Jesus. And now Jesus has put the reset button, and he's gone. And, 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 and they're, just up to, they're just standing there. And they're staring at nothing. I mean, and these two angels had to remind them, hey, listen, don't, why are you still standing here? You've been commissioned You've been commanded to go and tell. And when resetting, when things changes in our life, movement is always required. We can sometimes become so paralyzed in our situation that we forget to move. We forget to move. We're just standing there. And I think for a lot of us the last four months, there may be some times where we were just paralyzed. We're like, I don't know what to do. And we freeze. We're froze. We're stuck. We do the sermon series on that. Stuck. And some of us in that moment say, I'm paralyzed. What, what am I supposed to do next? 
and you don't know where to go. And, and, and the question is, well, Scott, how do I move? And it goes back to this idea that we talked about last week and the last couple of weeks, is that we move in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, he said, for in him we live, we move, and exist. Paul said that we live, that we breathe, that we move and exist in him. We move in the Holy Spirit. He exists so that we can live with purpose and identity in Jesus. Now we go back to Acts chapter 1. The disciples, they didn't know what was in front of them. They didn't know what was happening. But they did know that no matter what the reset brought their way, they knew that the Holy Spirit would empower them. They had no idea what that looked like. But they knew that the Holy Spirit would help them move. And my friend, here we are. We don't know what's in front of us, right? We don't know what next month is going to hold. We don't know what this bar is going to hold. You know, for, you know what, are we going back to school? Or what that looks like? And, you know, are we going to be shut down or not? Is there, there going to be football or not? Now, come on, you know, <laughs> for somebody, that's a big deal. You know, what's going to happen? We don't know what the future holds. But I hope you know this, that no matter what's ahead of us, the Holy Spirit will empower you and will empower me to push forward, to push ahead. You say, well, how, Scott, how did the Holy Spirit take over? I'm glad you asked that question. Maybe you weren't asking it, but now you're asking it. How, how, God, how did the Holy Spirit take over? How do I move with the Spirit of God? Throughout the scripture, the, the Holy Spirit is described as a win. A win. The power of the win. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And the power of the win can take you to places that you that you could never go on your own. Now, I remember when I was in college, I was um, a sophomore. At the end of my sophomore year, I had a roommate who was graduating and getting married shortly after graduation. And, and so I, I, I was good friends with him. In fact, I was gonna be the best man in his wedding. We became real close and I said, listen, um, you're about to get married in a couple of weeks, about to graduate, you know, and this is kind of like, you know, we got, we got to do this bachelor thing one more time. I said, how about this weekend, I take you sailing? And he's like, sailing, that sounds like fun. And I said, yeah, it's, it's a blast. It is great. You're going to love it, Brent. His name was Brent. I said, Brent, you're going to absolutely love sailing. I said, man, I've never done that before. I said, oh, yeah, it, it's awesome. Now, the truth is, between you and I, I have never gone sailing either. <laughs> so, ah, man, it's going to be a great time. We're going to go. We're going to have a blast. And, and at our college, they own a private beach off the bay, and you know, not far from the ocean. And, um, and, and they own some catamarans that we could rent. I said, we'll just go over there. They got sailboats and catamarans. So we'll just go and we'll have a great time. I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. I said, man, one last bonding time before you get married. I said, just, you know, don't tell your fiance. She don't need to know, you know. I said, oh, okay, all right. 
And, and so he goes with me, and we go to uh, the, the beach, and we pulled up. And by the way, I've never been there. I didn't know what to expect, you know, but I showed up, and, and, and the, the guy in charge, he sees a pole and says, hey, uh, you guys here to sail? And said, yeah, we're here to sail. I'm taking out my hearing aid by the time because I'm about to get in the water. I take out my hearing aid, put it in the car. So now I'm in lip reading mode. Okay, so now I can just kind of fake it till I make it. All right, and so this is how, by the way, this is how I'm rolling right now. You got your mask on. I, I'm trying to just do my best I can to read your lips when you got it covered. So by the way, you can always lower it down when you talk to me. That's okay. Um, and you have an exemption from the governor's order to talk to a deaf person. You can lower your mask. So, you know, I went to a haircut place the other day, and, and, and they were like, oh, I can take my mask off. He said, yeah, you're, you're, you won't get in trouble. I said, oh, great. And so anyway, um, and so, so we have, anyway, back to my story. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read the guy's lip, and, and the guy's like, so, okay, um, have you guys gone sailing before? And, you know, my friend, Brent, he's like, no. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, you've done it. I, I've never seen you out here before. So, oh, well, I, I've done it before. I know, I know what I'm doing. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to put you over to the boat over here. You guys go over there and set it up. So we go over to the catamaran, and we actually literally have to put it together. And, again, I've never done this before. And I look at Brent, and Brent's like, have you done it before? I said, I may not have. You know, so he said, oh, okay, but hey, just follow my lead. It's going to be good. We're getting out on this water. We're here. We got this far. We're going. And, and, and so uh, we see one of my friends that happened to be at the beach at the time and said, hey, can you come over here and help us? It's been a while. It's been a while since I put a boat together. And, and so, oh, okay, let me help you guys out. So he come over and, you know, have to put the mainsail up and, and put all the ropes and all the different little, uh, all the other smaller sails, and, and we kind of got it all situated. And meanwhile, you know, he's like, you guys have done it before, right? Said, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I said, Are you sure? I said, oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's been a while. You know, I mean, I'm just, you know, don't follow after my example, okay? Um, not good to, to, to tell a white lie, but here, we're getting on this water no matter what. And so, so yeah, we know what we're doing. I said, all right, you know, make sure you pull this rope. And okay. So we get on the water, me and Brent. And we're just drifting in the middle of a bay. We got no power. We got no wind. We're stuck. We're like, what are we doing? This isn't, and it became like, man, this isn't fun. We see the other people, they're kind of catching the wind. And finally, a white guy came back over and said, hey, you look like you still need help. I said, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's been a while, right? And he said, now you want to pull this rope, pull this sail in. And we started doing a few things, and nothing you know, our sail took off. I mean, we were flying across the bay. We didn't know how to stop, but we were just like, man, it doesn't matter. You know, as long as, as, long as we've got nothing in the way, I mean, we didn't even know how to turn. We were just like, okay, we're in this thing. And we're flying. And you know, a catamaran, it starts to tip a little bit. You know, and me and Brent, we're down on the, on the wrong side. I said, Brent, I think we've got to climb up here or this thing's going to flip over. And so we climb up here. I mean, clearly, you know, we had no idea what we're doing, but it was awesome. I mean, we were flying. 
and the power of the wind. We see the other guys, the professionals that have been there a lot. They flip, not us. You know, we got this thing under control, and we had the time of our lives. Man, when you got the wind behind your back, you can't see it, but you can feel it. And you can't know what, you don't know what, you know, you don't know what it looked like. But we know it's there by the results of it. And you wonder, man, what blew through this thing? And it's awesome. It blows through, and it, it's, a, it's a wild, wild time. And, and here's hit my thought here. I want to live a, a life in such a way that I can feel the wind of God's spirit in my soul. Blowing in places that I cannot go on my own. That's the spirit of God. I want the spirit of God to move me in places. And I want it to move in a place where people are like, man, look at that person go. Wow. I want, I want to see God change a person's life so much that I look back and I say, man, that person has come so far, but man, they are taking off their, their soaring because of the power of the wind of the spirit of God. He said, man, God, how can I have that? How can I be living a life overflowing, filled with the power of God? I'm going to give you two words, two secrets, and two words. Here's the first word. If you want to write it down, it's kind of in a sidebar. Not any blanks on your handout notes. But there's two words. The first word is the word desire. It's the word desire. The secret of a spirit-filled life hinges on the word desire. Ask the question, what is it that you really want to do with your life? What is it that you really want to do in your life? When you think about that question, what is it that you want to do with your life? Now, you may have a lot of different answers, but I hope it comes down to this. You know what, Scott? I want to glorify God. At the end of the day, I want to glorify God. And, and if that is your answer, then the Holy Spirit, he's going to show up. He's going to say, hi, I love that answer. You want to glorify God? Hey, that's my primary purpose is to glorify him. I am to put the spotlight on Jesus. I want to glorify him, and I'm with you. If that's what you want to do, if that's your desire, then, hey, the Holy Spirit, I'm here for you. But if your answer, if your answer is like, you know, God, I love God, I love Jesus, I love his salvation, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I want to do what I want to do, then the Holy Spirit is going to say, well, then I'm out. I'm not interested. And you're not going to live a life overflowing with the Spirit of God in your life. Because he's not going to be involved in something that you want to do. If your desire is to glorify God, he's all in. Oh, if your desire is to do what you want to do and, and God, you know, he takes the back seat, he's not in. It doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you still have the Holy Spirit in your life, but he's not going to be filling an overflow in your life. He's not going to help you move in the power of the Spirit of God. It hinges on the word desire. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. They said, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench. I love that word, quench. It's a neat word to say, quench. Here's what the verse is saying. It's possible to put a lid on the Holy Spirit. It's possible to tamper or to hold down the Holy Spirit in your life. We can say to the Holy Spirit, hey, it's enough. I don't want you anymore. You know, I only want you a quarter tank full. I don't want a full tank of the Holy Spirit power in my life. It's going to take me to places that only God wants to take. And I, want to, I still got my things I want to do. Desire. You desire it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It is possible to make the Holy Spirit unhappy. It, it's possible to sadden the Holy Spirit in your life. In Psalm 78, we see, we see the psalmist. He is uh, making a reference to history of the children of Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. God had delivered them from Egypt. They have seen the power of God. They have seen God do some incredible things. Look what, look what the psalmist talked about as you look back at this, at this generation. He said, they remembered that God was the rock, that God most high was the redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouth, lying to him with their tongues. The hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Look at verse 40. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the wasteland. Yes, they may have said some nice things. They may have believed that Jesus, you know, that God was the rock, the redeemer, the rescuer. They believe in all that. They may have sang some worship songs and act nice in church, but they lived a hypocritical life. They grieved the Holy Spirit. They grieved the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 95, verse 10, we see another example of this. For 40 years, God said, I was angry. That word angry can be translated as grieved. I was brokenhearted. I was grieved. I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. They've done it your ways. They're not my way. And it breaks my heart. And the, and the Spirit of God is quenched and grief. It's like a dial that's on your heart. All of us here, we have a dial. And you have a choice. You can turn the dial to grieve or quench. And we often do it. Take a hike, Holy Spirit. Grieve. Not today, Holy Spirit. Turn the dial. Quench. We have a choice. We can, we can desire or not desire the Holy Spirit working in our lives. If we want to move in the Holy Spirit, we've got to desire it because if you dial it to quench or grieve, but you can also turn the dial this way to the word flow. And you can say, God, Holy Spirit, I want your power to flow through me. It begins with desire. 
That's where it begins. You have to desire it. Do you desire the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through? You want to move in the Holy Spirit? You want to see God do great things in your life? You want, to take, you want the wind of God to take you to places where you can't go on your own? It begins with the idea that you desire to glorify God. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 it said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought out of pride. Therefore, honor or glorify God with your bodies. Desire to glorify God. Desire to say, God, I want you to flow through me and in me so that I could be a difference maker in this world. The first word is desire. Here's the second word to the secret, to a secret filled life. And the second word is the word surrender. Surrender. It makes the statement, Lord, I give up my control and I'm letting the Holy Spirit tell me what to do and leading me to go where he wants me to go. Surrender. See, the Holy Spirit, he's all about holiness. He's all about taking you into depths of holiness. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And here, the Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever lead you in compromise. He will always lead you into righteousness, into holiness. Never compromise. In fact, it requires us to constantly walk every day in confession of sin and repentance of God and say, God, I die daily to you. Surrender. Surrender. Some of you, you're living in sin. And the Holy Spirit, he cannot help you unless you confess and repent. You must surrender. You got to stop justifying your sins. You got to quit living in denial of your sin and recognize that, man, God, I'm, I'm tired of quenching the Spirit of God. I'm tired of grieving the Spirit of God. I want you to flow through me. And I surrender. I give up. The Holy Spirit works best when he speaks. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. God wants to use you in greater ways than you can ever think or imagine. It's time to stop fighting against God and to surrender and allow him to take over. And when we surrender, hurricane Holy Spirit blows through and it changes your life. It changes your life. He blows everything down and leaves you with nothing but God and God alone. Let me make this statement as, we, as we're talking about this idea of God got greater things for our lives. He's got greater things for you. And, 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 and he wants to do those things when we move in the spirit of God. Let me, let me make this statement. And at first it might come, the, the statement might sound a little weird. Bear with me. Here's the statement, ready? A pandemic is a terrible thing to waste. You're like, huh? <laughs> it's a terrible thing to waste. They said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, I believe that God can use any opportunity, good or bad, and can use that opportunity to change our lives. 
It's an opportunity for God to show us, hey, I'm in control. Trust me. And I've got bigger plans for your life. Trust me. He can use anything for his glory. And so you can choose to either be paralyzed and don't move, be stuck. Quench the Spirit of God or grieve the Holy Spirit and just say, I don't want to move. I, I'm, I'm stuck. Or you can say, God, I don't know what you're trying to teach me, but I want to flow. I want to turn the dial to flow. I want the Spirit of God to flow through me. Even in this time that I, that's not comfortable, it's a time that of uncertainty, I'm going to trust you in this moment of, of reset that you're in control, and I'm going to trust you in all of it. And I'm going to, I want you to change my life from the inside out. That's the work of the Spirit of God. During the time of the pandemic, I'm reminded of two things real quick. Two simple lessons, personal things I've learned that God's been teaching me, that God's been working through me as I deal with this, as I learned to understand what God is trying to teach me. Here's number one, if you're taking notes. A God-given vision is larger than any man's created plan. A God-given vision is greater, is larger than any man-created plan. At the beginning of the year, I had plans. You have plans. We all have plans. The church has plans. And for a lot of us, the plans change, right? The plans have changed. But God's still on the move. And his vision is so much bigger than our plan. Now, does it mean that we don't plan? No, we can still plan. However, we hold those plans loosely. My wife always tells me, God, make plans loosely. Be flexible to God's vision and movement. In other words, make your plans in pencil and not in pen. And trust that God's vision may change your plan, and that's okay. We may not like it, but that's okay. Some of the plans that we had made at the beginning of the year that got changed for Lake Point Church. We were going to celebrate a 10-year anniversary of, of Lee Point on the Sunday that we shut down. <laughs> Talk about plans of change. And, and so back in March, we're like, oh, we'll change the, we'll do the 10-year anniversary and building dedication. Um, by the way, we, we, a year ago yesterday, we, we signed the paper for the building. Okay, so we've been in this building a year. I've only used about half of the year, but, you know, we'll, we'll get a full year out of it at one point, you know. But back in March, we are like, hey, we'll change the plan into this fall. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, we had people flying in and old, old people, that, people that were part of the beginning of our church. We were going to come in and we were going to pack the house. Well, packing the house is a bad idea right now, you know. And, and so we're going to change the plans. We don't know when we'll do it. We'll do it next year. We'll call it 10 years and counting anniversary. It'll happen. But we've changed the plans, and we're okay with that. I don't like it, but I know that God, got, I know that God got something bigger and better. We, we were supposed to go on a mission trip next week. We were supposed to have a good group to go on a mission trip to Seattle, of all places. And that's changed. Does it mean we'll go to Seattle? Yeah, we'll go to Seattle probably next year or whenever the time is right but what may change. We have plans to add a parking lot. 
And uh, some of us have been asking me, hey, when we get in that parking lot, I add more parking so we can have more people to get in our, in our services. But right now, that's not a priority. We don't need to pack the house, so we, we got time on that. And, uh, and number two, we don't have the plans approved yet. It's almost there, but the township and, and all the paperwork, uh, it's taking a lot longer. It's supposed to have been done by February, March, and here we are in July. They're waiting for final paperwork. By the time we do get it, it'll be winter time. so we'll probably, you know, Lord willing, Lord willing, We'll build a parking lot next year. And that way we can continue to grow and get to a place at some point that we can pack the house again. Now, things that we're going to change, some of the things that we're going to plan this year in pencil this fall, is that we're going to add a third service when the time is right. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, we like a low-capacity room right now. And so we're we're operating about 40% in this room. We've taken out about... 80 to 100 chairs, and uh, spread the chairs out. We've got plenty of room, and, uh, and those that are watching, we invite you to come when you're, when you're ready. We'd love for you to come. We've got plenty of room for elbow room, for social distancing, and, and when the more people start coming back, we think it will after the, after the fall. And uh, we're at a third service to accommodate, you know, low capacity. We don't have a date on that. We'll do it when it's, when it's right, when it makes sense. We plan to do that. We also plan to reopen LP Kids August 9th. That's in a couple weeks. August 9th, we're only going to do elementary, preschool, and toddlers at the 11 o'clock hour, just one hour. And we don't have enough staff and volunteers to accommodate both hours. But we're just going to take a baby step and say, let's a modified curriculum. Uh, won't be the full-blown curriculum that we've had. We're just going to keep it simple doing something to make it safe for the kids. And uh, we're not going to do it nursery yet. We'll take a baby step to the nursery, no pun intended, um, <laughs> you know, at some point, okay? And, uh, but we're going to start there on August 9th. And uh, those parents that are watching, you're ready to come and take your kids, you know, August 9th, circle that on your calendar in pencil, all right? <laughs> in pencil, right? Baby child dedication service. Always have it on Mother's Day. We're gonna have a we're gonna have one this fall in September. That information is on the program. Make sure you check it out. You can sign up right now to, to have your dedication for your baby and for your child in September. Greater things offering. We're gonna do that this fall. We normally do it in May, uh, April, May. We raised about ten thousand dollars, you know, and um, a lot of people bring their bucket of coin. And I, I hear a lot of people have coins sitting in their house, you know, because we're, the stores don't have the coins. You know, you can't, you can't pay with cash in a lot of places. And so you bring your loose change, and, um, and then we usually use that money to bless a nonprofit and mission organization in the greater Detroit area, the greater things offer. We're going to do that this fall. That information um, is coming out very soon. Membership class, baptism, we're going to do all these things. In fact, we need your help to volunteer. We're low on our volunteers, so we need greeters, we need security, we need people to step up in the area of a, a health cleaning team. We could use your help in all these areas. And as we reset, we make plans. We make plans. We also know that God has a bigger vision that he may not reveal to us. So we're flexible as we hold our, as we hold our plans loosely. Now here's the second, second point. 
second lesson I've learned in this pandemic season is that when God says go, it's time to go. So the disciples, they go to the upper room. We see this in the rest of Acts chapter 1, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up. In Acts chapter 2, they're sitting there in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit shows up. And the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a mighty rushing wind. And the power of God began to move. And in that movement, the church began. And here's the lesson I'm learning. I said, God, when you say go, I go. When you say stop, I'll stop. When you say wait, I'll wait. When you say listen, I'll listen. But God, I want to move in your spirit. I want to breathe. I want to live in the spirit of God. Reset. It's not easy. In fact, it's painful. None of us like to wait. But when we wait on God and we follow after him, we will experience something greater than we could ever do on our own. And Hurricane Holy Spirit will change your life upside down for the glory of God. And my prayer for you is that you would first desire the Holy Spirit and to surrender and ask him to do a work in your life. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for your word. We thank you that that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough, Lord, for the Holy Spirit just to live inside of us. God, help us to be overflowing with your spirit, to overflow with your power. God, I pray it begins with the desire. A desire to glorify you, to glorify you, and then surrender. And God, I pray that when we do these two things, that we will see you do great things in our lives. That you will, that you will show us your vision is much greater than our plan. And that we will go when you say to go. And we will stop when you say stop. We will wait when you say wait. Whatever, God, we want to follow after you. And not after our will. But we want to follow your will. Your plan. Your leader. Help us in a time of reset. Not to waste the pandemic season. Lord, use this time to teach us, to grow us and to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.